We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, this is Luka Doncic. Can he get it away in time on the step back? He does! He hits! He hits! And the Mavericks have won the game! Luka Doncic with a 30-footer to win it at the horn! And you're listening to the Mavs Step Back Podcast. All right, guys. Hope you are having a great Saturday today. Getting ready for Mavs Clippers round two. Uh, we will see if the new guys, Spencer Dinwiddie uh, and Davis Bertans, we'll see if they end up playing tonight. They were apparently at shoot-around this morning, and there's supposed to be media availability for them around 515 according to mass PR. Uh, so I would, I'm cautiously assuming that they are going to play tonight. And if you guys didn't see my tweet from earlier today, uh, our playback watch parties are now open to everybody. Uh, we, we decide, you know, I, I, I this new editor in chief job I've got at DallasBasketball.com paired with my other day job is, uh, it's taken away time that I thought I still might have. Uh, so I just, I wasn't able to make that as worthwhile for people uh, as I wanted to. And therefore I have opened it up to everybody. So go uh, download discord. If you haven't already click on that discord link in my tweet and join our Mav step back channel. And I will be posting links to every Mav step back watch party on there. And we're doing one tonight for Mavs Clippers round two. So be sure to go do that and come join us. Uh, it's very, very fun. It's kind of like Green Room, but it's a synchronized uh, stream of the game that we're all watching together. There's a chat room just like there is here. And, you know, we can do a stage later on if if something warrants that and have multiple people on stage talking. It's, it's really cool. So y'all go do it. It's free. Sign up for it. Uh I think you'll really, really enjoy it. So, uh, okay. How's it going, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of Mav Step Back Podcast. This is the latest installment of Mav Step Back Live. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. You can find all my work on Twitter at Dalton underscore Trigg. You can follow the pod at Step Back Mavs on Twitter. And the Mavs, they are 33 and 23. They are 10 games over 500. I believe for the first time since 2015, uh, and it's the highest mark this season that they've been over 500, and at a good time too. I think they've won 
17 of their last 22 games. There's only 26 games remaining in the season, so, you know, they're playing good basketball. They just made the trade for KP that, you know, uh, there was a lot of people that hated the trade, but KP wasn't playing, and he's still not playing for the Wizards. He, you know, there was a report that came out today, or not a report, that somebody posted a quote from KP. He said he wasn't going to play tonight because he's still uh, playing it safe with his right knee. That doesn't sound very good. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, apparently, you know, they were uh, going to do something with Toronto on a trade, and you have to wonder if the reason why that didn't happen, you know, maybe maybe Toronto got spooked there. So who knows? But anyway, you know, uh, it, it seems that Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans uh, could play tonight since they were at a shoot-around this morning. And they have media availability around 5, 5.15 today. So uh, I think there's a good chance they play tonight. And if not tonight, they'll definitely play in the next game. But uh, it's really exciting stuff. Uh, Luca, I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, the day KP got traded, and I'm not saying that he did it like as kind of a F you to KP or anything like that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the, the excitement of the day, the trade deadline, you know, there's there's a new couple new faces now with the Mavs. They they got their shakeup uh, after having the same core for uh, you know three years now, and then you know all of that balled into energy for Luca, and he went out and scored a career high 51 points. It was amazing. Uh, I hope he does it again tonight. I, you know, he probably won't, but <laughs> it was amazing to see him do that. I've been waiting for him to score 50 forever because he's had a couple of these games where he scores, you know, 25-plus in a, in a half, or or he, he just starts out really hot, and then he kind of fizzles towards the end because he's so tired. He had uh, 28 points just in the first quarter of that last Clippers game that the Mavs ended up winning 112-105, to so... All right, I'm going to stop rambling Rambling here. I've got some people in the queue. I'm going to bring up my guy Kirk Henderson first. Kirk, what's up? How you doing? Good. So I, I work around I, – I, I told Dalton I could talk. Then I told him I couldn't talk because my wife said I couldn't. Then I offered to take the dog for a walk. So we're <laughs> – so, so it's, it's all about – Hey, hey, whatever works, man. You know, do do what you got to do. I'm I'm glad. Uh, I I came into this thinking, okay, well, Kurt can't do it, but that's okay. We'll get we'll have enough people up here. But I'm glad you're able to join. Right, what did you think about Luca just going absolutely bonkers the other night? Fifty one points. On- it was outstanding. And so the real fun part for me was I was on a a different platform just like this, doing a show with Seth Part now, and we're like the game's live, and he's talking to me about the trade. And we're just sitting there talking, and like every probably minute or two, one of us would go, "Oh shit!" And then it's like it's through the end of the first quarter, we're like Luca has 28, 28 points. Like what? And then I told him I had to go because I was like, "I gotta cover this. Like, like I gotta cover this for real." So I mean, it was real fun. It was real fun, and and nothing killed me more than the fact that he missed two free throws at the end of the first quarter, and he was just like, "Seriously, it was great." It's always funny. It's, I don't know why it's like this, but you can almost guarantee if he's just hitting three after three, he's going to miss free throws. He can't have he can't have both. And I think he – I have to look. I think he did end up hitting like 10 of 14 free throws on the night. But, you know, still, it's like 
<laughs> when he starts out hot and the first time he goes to the free throw line, you can almost guarantee he's going to miss one or both of them. So I don't know. I mean, that, that was amazing. It's, you know, you don't get to see that very often. Uh, ironically enough, the first Mavs game I ever went to in person was game five of the 2006 Western Conference Finals uh, when Dirk dropped 50 on the Phoenix Suns. So I got to see one live in person. That was fun. Uh, and, you know, that that happens to be the last time it ever happened for the Mavs. So uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and I hope he, again, I said it before, I, I hope he has something similar to that tonight. But uh, it's I, I'm not expecting, you know, back-to-back 50-game performance. Well, so let's, let's actually talk about that because I'm really – how many games does Ty Lue need to see Luca torching the shit out of poor Zubak before he stops starting Zubak at center against them? Like, he did this in the playoffs last year. That, that series might have been over earlier if he just wouldn't have, have let Luca get going early. Like, like it's a bizarre coaching decision. Now, I, honestly, as that game wore on, I was really worried the Mavericks were going to lose. <laughs> Just because it felt like one of those, like, oh, no, they're going to let up. And then they did let up, and then all of a sudden they started hitting shots. So it's like I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm really tired, but, like, I'm oddly looking forward to, like, a Saturday night basketball game close to All-Star break. It's pretty fun. Yeah, Devin Harris, he said on the uh, – well, I think it was in between, in between the first and second quarter, and then he said it again at halftime on the broadcast. But, you know, when a guy is that hot and scoring that much that early – you know, it's great, but the downside of that is other guys aren't getting in rhythm. <laughs> so it's like, you know, Luca had 20, you know, if you told me Luca had 28 points in one quarter, I would think, oh, well, the Mavs are blowing the crap out of the Clippers. No, that wasn't the case. It, <laughs> it kind of, you know, it stayed close, especially towards the end there. It seems like Marcus Morris always hits a three uh, to make a sweat in the fourth quarter down the stretch, and he did that, but. You know, it, it was a good win, and, uh, you know, again, I don't think Luca. he says all the right things, and he's definitely not going to say, like, oh, yeah, this is such a burden lifted off, lifted off my shoulders. I don't have to worry about getting KP his shots and his spots all the time and all that, but, I mean, you could just tell. Like, he, he was almost, like, he was freed <laughs> from it. Well, uh, so my, my buddy Josh wrote a really, really wonderful, like, throwback Josh Bow column. He wrote it, like, 2 in the morning the night of the trade after the 50-point game. And he wrote a paragraph where he talked about kind of, like, the the uh, – just the how difficult it is for everyone to try to make, you know, whether it's on purpose or not. It's not like we're saying this is a bad dude or anything. But there was just kind of an, an organizational attempt to make him feel comfortable about everything. His role, his health – his place, you know, it's like in probably in like product placement. Like there's just like a constant like Porzingis related thing. And after two and a half years, you know, even if he is a great guy, he's he's there's I don't want to say he's like not worth it, but it's like like the it, the rate of return wasn't there. And it just it, it's really tiresome after a while. And I like I for one like I hated this trade uh, just on the record. I still hate it. But like there's like I can't. I'm so excited to not have to deal with the weird KP super fans that exist that insist that he's this, you know, mythical creature that don't, does, doesn't exist. So it's like, as much as, as I, I hated the trade, like I'm really looking forward to not having to think about him anymore. 
And here's the thing. I mean, I'm I'm still optimistic about it because you look at the expectations on both sides. Like there, there's not near the expectations for Spencer Dinwiddie or Davis Bertans in Dallas that there was for KP. KP making thirty plus million dollars a year. He's set to make. Uh, let's see. 31 this year, I believe, and then set to make 33 next year and then 36 the final year. He is he was expected to be either Luca's 1B or either his co you know, his secondary star when he signed here, and he wasn't able to live up to that. And just not having someone with those expectations now, I think is going to make a big difference. And for those of you who haven't already, go follow our guy Grant Afseth. Uh, he, he writes for us at DallasBasketball.com. He's always putting a ton of insightful stuff on Twitter. Uh, he is currently working on a in-depth breakdown of both Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans, and uh, even he's optimistic about you know what Spencer Dinwiddie could do in Dallas because when he was in uh, Washington, he he was basically being you know he was playing against mostly starters and. You know, it's going to be a big difference for him coming off the bench and facing all these bench units instead. And uh, he, he's not going to have near as much of the pressure on him. But, uh, you know, on the flip side, KP, I mean, he's still kind of going to have pressure on him in Washington, if, if not even more so with, with how everybody has uh, has hyped him up so far. <laughs> well, the, the, the corner, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set you up and then I want you to close me out here. The, the Berton's corner three-point stat, I don't remember which corner it is. It doesn't matter which corner it is. Is laugh-out-loud funny. Why don't you tell the people? What- right. Okay. So I wrote a piece on DallasBasketball.com. I talked to Mark Cuban after the trade, and I know uh, Kirk, He and thanks for joining me, Kirk. I know Kirk, he, he kind of cringes every time Cuban says anything, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> Cuban says something, I'm going to report it. But uh, he was talking about how both of these guys, how the Mavs think that they're going to fit in Jason Kidd's system. And Bertans, he's only shot 31.9% overall from three. But from the corner, or, well, I think it's both corners, he's over 55%. There's one corner he's like 57% (laughs) from that spot. And that's just absolutely insane. So, uh, if if they can just get it to where he's mostly taking his threes from there and not doing some of this other stuff where he's coming off screens like, uh, you know, uh, my guy Blake Weir that I talked to uh, on Twitter from time to time, he he said it earlier that they they kind of used him like he was Paige Stoyakovich or Clay Thompson <laughs> running off of screens at the top of the key. That's not how you want to use him. I mean, I, I think – you know, lowering his expectations too, and just kind of, you know, if they want to do like like uh, Carlisle did KP in the playoffs last year, and just keep Bertans in the corner, that's going to work <laughs> for this for this, and he's not going to complain about it uh, like KP would have. So, I'm very optimistic about it. And again, Kirk, I appreciate you joining me. I'm going to bring some other people up here. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, Zach is next in the queue. Zach, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, Dalton. Doing okay. How are you? I'm doing great, man. What you got for me today? Uh, just a couple points. The trade that happened, you know, I, I don't know. I, I wasn't necessarily a KP homer or anything, but I was always optimistic about him being healthy and being reliably available for us. And it was never really the case, unfortunately. So I think that you know, if once we make the playoffs this year, you got to ask the question, would KP actually be available for multiple six or seven game series? I don't think so. I think something is going to happen if he's going to have to play that much basketball. So Bertans and Dinwiddie, ultimately, maybe not both of them, but you get, you, you're hedging your bets that, hey, one of these guys is at least going to be available and they're worthwhile to put on the floor and be part of the game plan. So I think that's a, Definitely a silver lining to this. Um, you know, I always hoped for KP to be the best that he could have been, but hell, he was never available when we really needed him. And then I think this was on Kirk's podcast like last week or something. He said that he actually was not part of a lot of our big wins. Like a lot of our big wins, he was out. So it's not as though we weren't successful without him. We were. And I think that you got to hedge your, I think we're hedging our bets on. People being available, especially come. Yeah, and I mean, I, I looked up the, I don't know the exact stat. I think it, let me see if I'm saying this right. Y- y'all might have to go back and look, but I think the Mavs are like 14 and 8 this year uh, when KP doesn't play. And they're, let's see, they're 6 and 9 or something like that when Luca doesn't play. So obviously, Luca has more of an effect on, on winning than, than KP did. And, you know, the Mavs' overall record since 2019, since they made the trade, you know, in all the games that, that KP has played in uh, with Luca, they're like, let's see, it was a 592 or something like that, 592 win percentage. And then when KP doesn't play, they actually have a slightly better 
win percentage. It's like 600. <laughs> so it just, it doesn't matter if he plays or not. And, you know, even, and I said this yesterday too, even at the very minimum, if you just literally get anything from Dinwiddie or Bertans, anything, it doesn't even have to be like something extraordinarily great. If you get anything from those two, it's still better than getting nothing with KP on the bench with his with his injuries. So, and I said it. Uh, I said also, like, what if they didn't trade KP and they waited for to do something during the summer, and then this bone bruise thing turned into something more serious, and he ends up having knee surgery, and then they really can't trade him. So, I'm just happy they got it over with. Now they ripped off the band aid, and we can move forward. Zach Lowe said on his podcast. Uh, yesterday, I believe that this kind of move showed maturity by the Mavs front office in admitting that they made a mistake and they've moved on. And I agree. I- I'm ready for For sure. For sure. Last point I want to make is I-, I always think back of the uh, the history that Luca has with the Clippers and namely Terrence Mann. I remember it started, I, I believe it was in the preseason rookie uh Luca's rookie season and it was a dead ball and Luca's holding the ball and Terrence Mann swats it pretty aggressively out of his hand and ever since then there's just been beef between the two so from that starting point and how Luca's just torched the Clippers especially when Terrence Mann's guarding him I don't know I love it because he's kind of uh, what is it with Luca and these other? I don't want to call Terrence Mann a scrub because I mean he is good, but he's he's nowhere near Luca's level. Clippers Twitter completely jumped on me. Uh, I believe it was during the preseason game they played them. Uh, this preseason, this this season's preseason. So um, uh, they 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 have this thing about Terrence Mann being better than what he actually is, but. Yeah, I mean, it's really funny because these guys try their best to get under Luca's skin, and Luca just kind of laughs at them and makes fun of them and still tortures them. <laughs> so, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Terrence Mann tries to get into it with him tonight. You know, it was funny in the last game uh, when he started trying to, you know, say stuff and irritate him. Luca just kind of laughed and pointed up to the to the scoreboard, like, "Look how many points I have, dude! What are you doing?" <laughs> Which uh, I mean. And the Clippers, you know, you actually, I hate them, but you got to give them credit. Ty Lue and that, that organization without KP, or sorry, without um, Paul George and Kawhi, they're still kind of a competitive team. Like, they'll compete with everybody. And I don't know, man, if, if they had Paul George and Kawhi, you're, they're right there next to the Suns, I think. So even without Kawhi and Paul George, they're – we're going to have to watch out for them over the next few seasons, especially if they hold on to Kawhi. Oh, for sure. And especially with, uh, you know, with them getting uh, Norman Powell from uh, the Portland Trailblazers, because that was just a steal of a trade for them, in my opinion. And Zach, I appreciate you joining me. Uh, yeah, they're, they're going to be a problem when, uh, when those guys come back. We have to see, I mean, Paul George's injury is kind of weird. I don't know if he's actually had surgery on his elbow yet, but it's kind of like one of those things where, you know, it's it's more common in baseball, and typically people, you know, they'll try and see if it'll heal on its own, but more times than not, it ends up having to have surgery. So we'll see what he ends up doing there and how long he's out. But uh, there were some rumbles about Kawhi Leonard potentially returning for the end of this season, but 
Uh, since the Paul George stuff came up, I don't know. They're probably uh, – it wouldn't surprise me if they just keep him out until next year. That's what I would do at least. I wouldn't – I wouldn't chance it given where the Clippers are in the standings. But All right, guys. Next up, I uh, had David join me here on Green Room. For some reason on the recording, though, uh, it, it wasn't coming up. It was very, very low. So I had to cut out David's part. Uh, but he basically asked about, you know, or he was worried about Mark Cuban potentially letting Jalen Brunson walk this offseason since he has Spencer Dinwiddie now. And uh, the the reaction or the answer here you're going to hear next, it was it was to that question from David. So here it is. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's a it's a valid concern, and thanks for joining me for a little bit, Davis. It's a valid concern because Cuban hasn't paid the tax in over ten years. There's really no way he can avoid it now. <laughs> so it's like whether whether he lets Brunson walk or not, uh, unless there's just like unless they just move mountains again in the offseason. There, there's really there's really no way he's going to be able to get around it with Luca's supermax about to you know kick in this next season. So. I mean, I don't think I don't think he's gonna let Brunson walk. Honestly, I think he's accepted that at least for this next year. You know, like he said, the Mavs are gonna be in luxury tax hell, so to speak. And I think he's come to terms with that, and he's okay with that. And you know, we'll see what happens from here. I do think Tim Hardaway Jr. is probably gonna get moved this summer. I I think if if he hadn't had that unfortunate foot injury against the Warriors a while back. I think he would have been moved at this trade deadline. And, you know, because there's some teams that, you know, actually like Tim Hardaway Jr. Even with him having a down year, there are still teams out there that like THJ uh, and, you know, like myself, think that his down year is more systematic than him just falling off a cliff because he shot nearly 40% from three the last two seasons and he was around 33 or 34 when he got injured. So, uh, you know, I, he could have probably gotten a decent return if he hadn't hadn't been injured. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see if he he's able to make it back uh, by the very end of this season. I think that's doubtful. They haven't like officially ruled him out for the entire season. But uh, you know, if they made it to the second round of the playoffs, I think it's very likely he could come back. So we'll see what he looks like when he gets back. And you know, they'll probably I would expect them to do something with him around draft night we'll see how it goes uh next up all right is it doe am i saying that right yes it is how you doing dalton i'm doing good man how are you thanks for joining me uh just kind of sick of how cuban and nico are spending trades you know just be upfront and honest you know we screwed up and we didn't get any value for it we got two more injured players for one injured player you know i don't understand what kind of flexibility this really gives us we could have signed Dinwiddie as a free agent if he was all that great at the beginning of the year, and we didn't do that. So I don't know where we go, you know, forward because really Nico is not the GM. We could say he is, but he's just a glorified cheerleader. It's Cuban, and it never will be anything else. He's not accountable. He's just a bad Jerry Jones type of owner. You know, when Luca leaves, that's when I leave as a Mavs fan, and I've been a Mavs fan since 1980. You know, through thick and thin, through the pro years, through all the bad years. So we're just going to waste more time, you know, hoping to land some big superstar like we do every free agency. You know, and now we don't have the space to even do it. You know, I just don't understand where we're going. 
you know, I appreciate you being optimistic, Dalton. I don't want to see the better side of it. It's not like I, I don't understand the KP trade. It's just we didn't get anything for it. Well, and here's the thing, and I, I understand why people feel that way, but I, I feel like overall, and I'm not just saying with with you, I'm, I'm saying with, I think overall in the fan base, I think there was a misperception of what KP's trade value actually was. Like, he, individually, he had good stats this year, and he had some good games. But again, he, he wasn't affecting winning or losing. And, you know, he, he's only played or he's missed like, what, 40% of the games this year, maybe a little over that. And he had the recent, well, they're calling it a bone bruise in his right knee, and he's still not back from that. I mean, it's just one thing after the other for the guy. So I think what kind of flexibility, you know, obviously it's not going to be cap space flexibility in the immediate future, but I think it's easier to potentially see rebuilding value for a couple of guys who they're not on good tro- contracts themselves. I mean, they they amount to the same total as what KP was making, but I think it's easier to envision rebuilding some of these guys that are going to have lesser expectations than KP and potentially move them down the line in a bigger trade than it would be to hope KP turns into what you you know thought he was going to be for three years and still hasn't realized that and try to move his 30 plus million dollar contract all at once. I think that's the thinking behind it. And I really don't think they had any other better options. You know, I, I think it was a move that was, and I mentioned it the day before the trade deadline. I actually, like, I'm honestly shocked that it was exactly how I said it on that pre deadline pod. But I was just like, you know, the Wizards are a team to watch <laughs> in the offseason. Uh, and I even mentioned, you know, KP for either, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie and, Bertans because it fits and they're kind of desperate to do something to keep Bill. But, you know, I thought it might happen in the off season because it was getting to that point like, okay, they've got to do something here. Uh, they can't just keep spinning their wheels with this. And they decided to do it earlier. And I know that Mark Cuban has the final say. I know he has the final say on everything, but I really do believe Nico kind of twisted his arm into this because everything Mark has said up to this point, has been like, oh, you know, he's batted away all the trade rumors and we're not trading KP. We love KP, think he's great and everything. And I think Nico probably actually twisted his arm on this one, just like, Mark, we, we've got to do something. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think he did have some influence on this, so, but that's just my. Well, you know, I just can't trust Cuban. I mean, how many great trades have we really had in the past? You know, Devin Harris. You know, we had look. Uh, we look. We, we, you're right. You're right. There have been some very bad trades in the past, and especially recently. But this was Nico, this was the first trade with Nico Harrison as GM. You know, whether people think he's a puppet GM or what, uh, you know, a fact. The fact of the matter is, it is his first trade of uh, you know with him assuming that position. So uh, we'll we'll just have to see how it goes. I mean, again, I don't I don't want people to get their expectations up for this specific move, you know, just looking at it, you know, black and white on paper uh, and judging it that way. This is more about, you know, trying to do something in the future that would be a little bit easier than trying to move an injured KP on a 30 plus million dollar deal. That's what this move is. Well, you know, I just hope things turn out better, but I'm trying to be optimistic, but we just got two players that aren't going to be starters 
you know, on our squad. They're at best seventh and eighth guys when we have a fully healthy squad. So I really don't understand this whole move. You know, I'd rather roll the dice, see if KP could produce a little bit rather than have these two guys because you went in the league with superstars. You know, KP may not be a superstar, but he's more of a threat than these two guys. Who's going to provide shot blocking? Who's going to provide rebounding with these two guys? What's our center here, depth like? Here's a, here's a fun fact for you, and, and though I appreciate you joining me today. The Mavs average 43 rebounds per game with and without KP playing this year. So the rebounding is not affected at all. Now, I don't know the the stats for the shot blocking part of that. That, you know, that could vary a little bit. But again, he hasn't affected winning or losing. But the rebounding part, I mean, it, it's by the numbers, it has not been affected at all whether KP plays or not. It stays the exact same. So I just, look, I, I just, I just really, I like KP. I had high hopes for him. Um, but, you know, those hopes just were never realized. So we move on, and hopefully Dinwiddie and Bertans can add something. Okay, guys, look, that's going to do it for another episode today. Uh, we will try to do this again probably Tuesday before the, the Mavs play the Miami Heat. Uh, but hopefully we have a second straight win against the Clippers tonight, and, you know, Lucas shows out again, and we'll possibly get to see Dinwiddie and Bertans. Uh, again, their media availability, they're going to be – you're going to be seeing some stuff from them around 5.15 today. And, I mean, again, I, I, I think it's going to be fine, and I hope they, they prove that for me starting tonight. If not tonight, then going forward in the next few games. So, guys, I appreciate it. We'll see you next time. Be sure to go like, rate, and subscribe, and go join our Discord. I tweeted it out. All these watch parties are free now. Retweet it. Invite your friends. We're doing one tonight. Join our watch parties. They're fun. We'll see you. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.